Hello again, and welcome to Knowing God with Heart and Mind, the virtual church classroom podcast presented each week by Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana, and hosted by yours truly, Pastor Dan, and my lovely daughter, Bethany. Each week, we study the Bible together with you with the goal of knowing God's heart and mind with all of our heart and mind. Our hope is that through this virtual Bible study, you will be able to participate more completely in the benefits of active involvement in a church community. And we genuinely hope you will be served by this offering, but we're also hoping that you will not settle for this alone. So please seek and join a church community that feels like the home and family of faith that God has in mind for you. As always, we conduct our course of activity here by following a simple three-step process. We love God and each other, and then we learn, and then we take on the task of leadership. So loving, learning, and leading. We begin by showing our love for God in a small act of worship as we read together Psalm number two. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possessions. You will break them with the rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry, and your way will lead to your destruction, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are those who take refuge in the king.
of loving worshipers gathered in your name, singing, Holy, Holy is the Lord. To hear it in so many languages, to hear it expressed in this way by us in our limited human scope gives us a taste of what it will be like on the day when we are all gathered in your presence celebrating you in the languages of the world and in the languages of the angels. Oh God, this gives us such hope and promise and joy. We are overwhelmed by the prospect. Well, hear us, Lord, as we worship in many languages, as we pray for our world, even the many languages and dialects of our nation, and here in our home community. Bless them all, Lord, we pray. Bless them all. Make yourself known to the generations. Oh, God, bless each who listens to this podcast and worships with us now. Grant each a healing in their heart and mind and soul and body and for all those things that they bring to this time. Oh, God, bless us as we observe your word and learn together of the great and wonderful glories of your name. currently studying the book of Revelation and we're not going to do so with the intent of sensationalizing it or 
trying to tie it to current events or even lamenting, lamenting, lamenting the ugliness of our times. We're really just simply reading a beautiful text of scripture and examining its message and meaning. So if you were hoping for one of those uh, aforementioned, uh, sorry, but stay tuned anyway, you won't be disappointed. Now, I have a special privilege today because Bethany is actually in the studio with me, the studio being a little corner in my basement. And uh, But with today's technology, you can make it seem pretty impressive. So uh, welcome to the studio, Bethany. Thanks. It's nice to be sitting next to you. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Believe me, it's a, it's a pleasure. I hope that one day you'll live close enough that we can do all of these live <laughs> and... Uh, so, uh, you know, if you're looking for an outstanding school counselor, let me know. Uh, anyway, so last week while you were uh, communicating with me through our, uh, I don't even know what it's called now, I forgot. It's not Skype, but it's something that's supposed to be a little better. Anyway, when we were Zoom. talking. Zoom. Our Zoom that's meeting. Right. Our Zoom meeting. It's Thank you for. a little sponsor plug. Yeah, there you go. And, and you know, we're such a puny little podcast we don't even need sponsorship or or warrant sponsorship but anyway i digress so so zooming together last week we talked about the introductions that we found in our bibles we talked about the uh fact that we seem pretty sure that uh, almost 100 percent certain that this is the same john who was the apostle the one that jesus loved as he liked to describe himself and uh this is the same John that, who is then one of the founders of the various churches and who is then sent into exile on the island of Patmos where he writes letters about his experience uh, with Jesus and uh, he writes them to a certain group of churches which is we're going to get to. Um, the, uh, the discussion last week was kind of general in nature and we touched on the fact that uh, we saw this as a book about John's vision or his journey outside of space and time. And uh, that seemed to really resonate with some of our listeners, too. Because mm -hmm. uh, the other thing I did last week was I launched our Facebook group mm -hmm. and generated quite a bit of interest. And I'm really excited about that because we now have a number of people who are listening to this regularly and commenting on our Facebook group. And the comments are so wonderful because it really inspires us. It gives mm -hmm. us it gives us a way to make this feel like a real Sunday school class or Bible study class, even in the virtual realm. So that was kind of exciting. A lot of people really were digging on the ideas that we were pitching about how, you know, maybe uh, John was seeing all of this in real time. Now, we're going to hit on that a lot more soon. Uh, but we want to take the text as it comes, and so this week we're going to pick up where we left off, which according to my remembering, it was chapter 1, and we were going to look at verses 4 to 8 to start with this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had something pretty close to that. <clears throat> okay, great. A uh, couple of things I want you to look for, uh, listeners, that... Uh, uh, I think will be helpful to you, and Bethany's probably got a couple too, but uh, there's something that uh, one of my favorite scholars refers to as a heptatic structure. Uh, sounds like a, a condition of some kind, but that, you know, you maybe take it to your chiropractor, but in fact, it's a word that just means a system of sevens, and there apparently uh, are more uses of this heptatic structure in scripture than anyone can actually count because every time you find one 
you find one you passed over the last time you looked. So, I mean, it's, uh, but it's never more apparent than in this book of Revelation. You can really see this pattern of sevens that occurs over and over again in Scripture. So, that's one of the things that uh, we want you to look for. Uh, another thing I'd like you to look for is, is, uh, words that refer to redemption, words that refer to uh, being saved, words that, uh, that demonstrate that the Holy Spirit who inspires the authors of the Bible's books uh, has idioms that they use. This was another thing that I really enjoy from this one particular scholar that he points out that there are certain ways of expressing God's self that the Holy Spirit uses and when you get familiar with those, you begin in, you know, cause this is what we talk about when we say we're looking for the heart and mind of God, is we're really getting to know God on a personal level. And in that respect, you could, you could compare it to Bethany here knows, uh, she knows certain sayings that I have or things that she can count on her dad to say under certain circumstances. So those are, are uh, you know, Dan's idioms. And so we're going to be looking for God's idioms in this. So. Bethany, do you have anything from your study that you think people should try to listen for? Um, I just wrote down, like, to to look at who is talking to John and who's John talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing, I guess, that I would say to really look for or, or listen for as you're hearing the scripture, I think Revelation is really beautiful in terms of the language used to describe things. Boy, that is so true, and I really appreciate you saying that because, because I think a lot of people miss out on on the the literary value because they're so busy trying to figure out if you know the current president is the Antichrist or <laughs> right. something, you know, and and they totally miss the fact that this is a really beautifully it's written beautiful, book. Beautiful, yeah, and, and you know we talked last week about how. A lot of it is written by Jesus, and I think that's pretty cool when you when you hear like how Jesus talks in this book. It's beautiful, and the way the way he describes himself, the way John describes the different people he comes across, or the different obviously I'm getting ahead of myself, but like the places he sees, mm-hmm. um, it's it's just beautiful. And I think that there's a reason the language is the way it is, and that's something important to recognize and notice. Well, this is we believe the same John who gave us the words like the introduction to his gospel in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god yeah i think john's just a really beautiful writer too he has an eloquence about the way he writes and uh and and you know the love that he claims to have from jesus is also reflected in the way Mm -hmm. he talks about jesus so that's Mm -hmm. pretty good um why don't we start by reading revelation chapter one verses uh, four through eight, and then we'll kind of see where that leads us. And uh, by the way, I appreciate all of you who took the time to tell me that you thought an hour was an adequate length for the podcast. Um, I like that. I It means a lot to me to hear you say that. Uh, if you're a person with a 30-minute commute, I guess you have to listen to the first half on your way to work and the other half on the way home. Because those who commented told me to go ahead and make it an hour. So, Which is good, because I don't know if we could have shortened it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, do you want to read the, the verses for me? Sure. I'm starting at four. Yeah. Okay. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne, 
and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Wow. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. You you were hoping that you might be able to get to some of your notes for verses that are yet to come. But we've got to talk about something right here that I'm sure, especially someone who hasn't really looked into Revelation this way before, is going to need some help with. And I don't know, I need some help too. It's addressed to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Yes. Now, by the way, friends, uh, each week I'll try to share some, you know, Pastor Danism, something that I've learned over the years to be true and it seems trustworthy <clears throat> to me uh, about Bible study. Thank you to the one who said I'd never knew the difference between a version and a translation. Um, it makes us glad that we took the time to share that with mm-hmm. you. Here's, here's my rule for studying scripture, especially the stuff that we tend to think is a little weird and hard to follow. Um, take it just as it's written. Start by reading it literally and interpreting what you read as actually what we're supposed to understand. Now, you will find at times that you read something, take it literally, and can't make any sense of it. With the help of the Holy Spirit through your prayer, you're going to be able to figure this out. You'll be, you'll be able to get there. But more often than not, by just taking it as it's written, you're hearing exactly what you should. And uh, I'm a little suspicious of any kind of Bible scholarship where people try to reinterpret scripture and try to make it say something that it never really said. And, you know, slick-talking people or people with the lack of belief in the Spirit's influence over scripture can be very good at that. And, and I'm not trying to judge them or say hurtful things. I'm just saying that in my experience, it's better to take the Bible as it's written. So that's my advice to you. Now, having said that, verse 4 says, from John, basically, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. So who's he writing to? Seven churches in Asia. Mm-hmm. So that is as far as we'll go with that for now. He says, grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come. Now, we were just, talk- we were just talking a minute ago about how this is the same guy who said, in the beginning was the word, and the word, the word was, was with God, yeah. and the word was God. And the word became flesh. He just said it again. He, he's describing Jesus the same way. Later in his life, when he's now living in exile, he says, this is a greeting to, him, to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come. And I'm going to jump to the end of that piece of reading. Because I, as I was reading it aloud, I thought, well, that's really interesting that it's sort of bumpered with the same things. So at the beginning of... Like verse four, it's grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And then at the very end, like verse eight, it's the same thing. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. So I thought it was kind of cool that just in the greeting, it bumpers with, I've been here, 
I am like I don't I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. No, no, you're I'm with you. Um I am totally with you. I think that's pretty awesome too. You have a uh you you have a sort of continuity there. Yeah. Um book ending. The other thing that I picked up from that, it goes along with what you just said, is is he says grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come. Do you remember how God described God's self to Moses? I am. I am. Well, what does, you know, and, and, and again, I'm taking it literally, and I'm not trying to overthink it, but what does one mean when they say, I am? Well, it's sort of a way of saying, I don't think of myself in the past tense. I don't think of myself in the future tense. I simply think of myself as being. There's a, it's a timelessness, or, or not even timelessness, out of time. Yeah. Separate. Yeah, and, and we are getting there. <laughs> And for all of you who liked my little reference on the Facebook group to Doctor Who, oh. we had a little side. Con- there's a side conversation going on there because I'm, I show I have a little GIF on the Facebook group okay. of the TARDIS, and it's got a picture of sort of the universe. Oh, I love it inside, mm-hmm. and and it's the whole bigger on the out inside than it but is on, on the, the inside. Outside, yeah, and yeah. and we're going to touch on that today, I believe. And, uh, and then I just asked if there were any Doctor Who fans out there, and I got some likes and things like that. And one person even said, uh, so is that the TARDIS? And, and I said, yes. And then I said, for extra credit, can anyone tell me what TARDIS means? What? I can't. Well, I know, but you, have to, you go on the Facebook group and answer. You know, but technically, you, you disqualify because you're, you work for the radio station. That's true. You yeah. know, so, uh, so I can't give you I, extra yeah, I credit. Can't win, I can't win the prize. We don't have any, you know, real prizes in our prize closet, folks. Uh, extra credit. <laughs> I'll give you a pat on the back next time I see you. But yeah, it, it's just kind of cool because we're we're hearing this continuity, and the I amness of God is the fact that God is outside of space and time. Um, it's I just finished my sermon notes for this Sunday, and there's a whole lot of reference to that, so it's kind of on my head. Uh, uh, in my head right now, but the idea that God is is timeless and yet God has created an envelope in which time exists, and that's just really cool. Uh, but I digress. Yeah. So so that's that's John acknowledging Jesus's uh, utter divinity, really. Mm-hmm. And but then he says, and from the seven spirits before his throne. Um, Wow, this is where we get, this is the first place we get stuck in reading Revelation is what in the heck does that mean? Well, my NIV notes say sevenfold spirit, that that's what it's really meaning. Uh, so the NIV study notes are the, and the, the uh, editors and, and scholars who helped create it uh, basically are saying that by that word, the author means... Uh, a spirit that is sevenfold. I, I only know how to interpret that one way, and that is to mean that it's speaking of the one spirit, the Holy Spirit. Right. But it is that spirit Yeah, I tried to expressed in those churches. I tried to find more information about that last week, and I kind of hit several stumbling blocks, and I wasn't... Because there were some things that were saying, like they were naming different spirits that it could be, mm-hmm. like like all seven, and I, I was having I was struggling with that, so I don't know. Well, and it does 
But I, I like the what you just said, like the Holy Spirit manifested through the seven churches. That Yeah, yeah. I like that better than some of the things I found. Well, it, it kind of harkens back to the uh, Christian Believer study that we did on the church. And uh, I can't remember if you helped me with that one or not. But the nature of the church is is this concept of being the body of Christ. And so, you know, a lot of people have issues with organized religion. I'm not sure that I don't have a few issues with organized religion. But when we speak of the church with a capital C, the church universal, what we're really talking about is the body of Christ. And in that sense, it is a fixture in the Holy Trinity in a manner of speaking. It's, it's, you know, now, and, and uh, like I said, I just wrote all this in my sort of uh, summary of, of the problem of sin. But now, as part of the body of Christ, because we've received the same Holy Spirit that is in him, mm-hmm. he's invited us to be part of that. And so the idea of church is that all the believers, all those who are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, in whatever context they find themselves worshiping, they are part of the body of Christ. And so... Uh, you know, John uh, on Patmos, it, and, and I don't mean this in any way condescendingly, but but if anybody's allowed to get away with being an idealist, it's John on Patmos. Cause, so he's assuming, basically, I guess you could say that he's talking about the seven churches as all being spirit-filled, or at least spirit-led. Mm-hmm. And and uh, but then he goes on to talk about Jesus's attitude towards the various churches, and we hear Jesus in his own words saying how he feels about them. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it isn't as though they aren't churches. Yeah. Because if they're churches, you know, then John's assumption is if they're churches, then the Spirit of God is there. I mean, that's the way I'm going to mm-hmm. take it. Yeah. Did you find something? Well, I just was looking over at my notes, and I had written down Isaiah 11 next to seven spirits that I probably found in some resource. And I just went ahead and looked it up, and this actually makes sense. So do you want me to read it? Mm -hmm, Okay. So Isaiah 11, just starting at verse 1, says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So that's verse 1 through 3. And that... I mean, if you count each one of those as a spirit, that's six. And then if you count the spirit of the Lord, that's seven. Wow. So seven spirits before the throne, I'm thinking wisdom, understanding, counsel, power, knowledge, fear of the Lord, and the spirit of the Lord, which I would say is Holy Spirit. And I would say that that's still, it's one spirit. It's just all of those things are part of the Holy Spirit. That goes along with that NIV note that says sevenfold. Yeah. Because what does that mean, sevenfold? I, I'm going to do this literal thing again. It, it's one piece of it's paper one, yeah, folded, folded seven, seven ways. times. Yeah. Yeah, right? So, so there you go. And you know what that reminds me of is those, I don't even know what you call them, but you know those little flip games that you make out of paper and you... Oh, like a cootie catcher? Cootie catcher, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't remember what we call You can almost think of it that way. because yeah. Because, you know, you go one, two, three, four, and then you flip a page up wisdom. and you see wisdom. Yeah. And, and so, uh, so we are officially, with Bethany's help, declaring that the sevenfold spirit of the seven churches of Asia is like unto a cootie catcher. 
Awesome. <laughs> Keeping it classy. That's right. Next, we're going to be talking about <laughs> Doctor Who's Blue Box. And if anybody jumps in late, they are never going to understand. Well, I would just like to that say that the Bible is super cool because that just happened. Yeah. That's if if that's not proof that the Bible is really awesome. Yeah. I don't know what is because there's the answer right there in Isaiah. Like, talk about a prophetic book too. Like, yes. Yeah. I just, the Bible is cool, guys. And you know, you mentioned Isaiah. I just have to say that all the books of the Bible are awesome. But so far, we're touching on some of the most beautifully written books oh my gosh, because yes. Isaiah is beautifully written. Isaiah is written. a beautifully written book. Yeah, that is that's so cool. Okay, and uh, let's see. So the seven spirits are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Well, now some interesting statements there. We we just said that his description of him who was and is and is to come uh, was about Jesus, and that's true. And yet he didn't say so in so many words, so he could just as easily have been saying that about God, mm-hmm. the I Am, because now he's getting specific. Now he's greeting them in the name of and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, wonder what that means. The faithful witness. Uh, in my notes today for my sermon, I was trying to make the point that he was coming from the orderly world of God, the cosmos, into the chaos that was caused by sin, and he was maintaining a balance. Which is really cool that I said that because now I can refer to this Revelation study at some point and talk about how Revelation says that Jesus literally holds the universe together. That if he lets go, it goes, you know, and and, uh, so we have, uh, anyway, I just went off on a tangent there. but, (laughs) But so he's the faithful witness. And when I was driving at with, I was writing my sermon notes this morning was that, that, uh, that that's literally what he does. I mean, he. He, in uh, in his living, he is both divine and human, and in his divinity, he's bringing his divine nature that causes order amidst the chaos, but at the same time, he's subject in his human nature to the chaos. And all the while, he bears witness that it is in his humanity that he stands in direct opposition to sin and evil so so he literally is the witness he's the one who tells the story uh the one who says this is how it is and jesus being the faithful witness could say this is how it was Mm -hmm. this is how it is Mm -hmm. and this is how it's going to be so maybe that's what john means when he says grace and peace to you from him who was who is and who is going to come, and then from Jesus, who is the faithful witness. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, if you if you say that him who is and who was and who is to come is the I am, mm-hmm. and then the seven spirits, he's kind of getting the trifecta yeah. in one sentence. Wow. But then I'm also, <laughs> I'm also looking at this and thinking him who is the faithful witness who was the firstborn from the dead who is to come and rule the kings of the earth. Yeah. You know, it's like a layer for each thing. 
Yeah, yeah. So he's giving him three descriptors, and they're three descriptors of past, present, and future. Or present, past, and future. Okay. I don't know. No, I like it. I like where you're going I with like that. literary analysis. Well, and... Uh, push my glasses at one. For the... <laughs> she doesn't wear glasses, people. Let me tell you something. We call her Eagle Eye or Hawkeye in this family because when we need to know what the street sign says before we get to it, we always ask her. <laughs> anyway, uh, the uh, but but this is another form of uh, like if you take a Bible uh, study course, you know, like a community college or in seminary, the one of the first things the instructor is going to do is to tell you about the different forms of criticism that you use in order to read the Bible. And when he says criticism or she says criticism, it doesn't mean picking on it and calling it names. Um, what it means is that it's how you critique and review what you're reading. And so you're saying a literary review, yeah. which is one form of criticism, tells us some things that we might not notice if we were taking uh, a different approach to it. So it's... it's so, uh, yeah, like the parallelism right. of the wording, yeah. I think is really cool. And that's where we see things like the heptatic, the sevenfold structure, or the seven isms. And, and the idea is, is that you begin to see that the author has a certain method that they like to use. So if you're a fan of poetry, you notice that certain poets like a certain meter or whatever. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's called literary criticism. And so now it says, uh, the, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. Can we get a hallelujah? Cause this, hallelujah. This is being recorded on <laughs> the Thursday, the Monday Thursday, Monday, Thursday for Easter 2018. And on Easter Sunday, we celebrate the fact that he's firstborn of the dead, which sounds a little weird in that statement in and of itself. But uh, it is one of those things that is built around the fact that we have already understood, John assumes, that Jesus died and then was resurrected. And so where the Apostle Paul might have said, firstborn of the resurrected dead, John shortens it a little bit. Still the same point. Um, no one has experienced resurrection yet, uh, at least before Jesus. He's the first one. And so through him, we get a glimpse of what it's like to be resurrected. And someday we would all be in that form someday. And that's exciting stuff. So mm -hmm. that's what we're going to celebrate on Easter Sunday. And, uh, and if ahead. you want to know what it'd be like, or what, at least what we think it would be like, if you haven't listened to some of the older podcasts, we talk about what we think it'd be like to be in resurrected form like Jesus. Yep. Thanks for plugging that. Yeah. We've got a, a lot of new listeners this week, and, and uh, you know, if you're a glutton for punishment, we'll go backward <laughs> in the recordings there, and you'll find that, that uh, yours truly has been doing this a long time, <laughs> but it got a whole lot better when I started having Bethany help me. So, And I heard you say amen out there. I heard someone. <laughs> I Someone said amen. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so um, the next line says and the ruler of the kings of the earth i mean you know this is a pretty eloquent sentence because it pretty much lays out who jesus is mm -hmm. period and ruler of the kings of the earth is the fundamental truth that he became that as the resurrected lord and uh you know last sunday in the service we talked about jesus riding into 
um, the uh, Jerusalem for the Passover on a donkey and what that meant. And I ended the message by reminding everybody that the next time he comes, he's on a horse with the sword. This time he's coming to, you know, and take names later. <laughs> so it is uh, a, a great difference that we will anticipate in him. He is the king now. He, he subjected himself to the kings of the earth once upon a time for our sake. And now he is the king of all the earth. And uh, that's basically what he says. To him who loves us and has freed us from sins by his blood. Well, here we are doing Easter again. Who said Revelation isn't a good read on the eve of Good Friday? See? And uh, I think that one's pretty self-explanatory for most of us. You know, we if you want to understand the nature of our redemption, do what Bethany said. Go back and listen to the Christian Believer series where we break down the doctrines of the church as they are outlined in the Nicene Creed, and that one will be there, and has made us to be a kingdom of priests, or and priests, to serve his God and Father. Wow. So, he's the king of the earth, he loves us, he freed us from sin, and makes us priests, or representatives, serving God the Father on mm -hmm. earth. Big job. I think we're actually doing that right now in this podcast. I, I think we're serving a priestly role. Um, you know, there's a prayer I pray every time I preach that basically says, Lord, don't let them remember any of the stupid things I said. <laughs> Only remember what came from your Holy Spirit. And, mm -hmm. and that's my plea. Yeah. Because I think I'm tolerable at this, but once I start believing that, then I'm going to be stupid. Yep. And I don't want to be that kind of preacher or teacher. So we are trying to be priests here. We're trying to be vehicles or vessels through which God does God's work. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to do here. We talk. I think the reason I love calling the podcast uh, Knowing God with Heart and Mind is, is that we're really trying to communicate God's heart and mind. And we're trying to let that happen to our hearts and minds. That's the essence of the word logos, um, which is the Greek word that John used to describe the word mm -hmm. that was with God in the beginning. Yeah. What it really means is the mind of God, the very heart and soul and thought of God. Okay. And so we're really in an, in an awesome position. And by the way, listener, that means you too. You're, you're, you're the one he's referring to. This book is so cool because it's written to you. There's not another book in the entire Bible that basically says, if you read this, you will be blessed. And then when you read it, you realize that it's written to you. It may be addressed to the seven churches, but maybe another reference on that sevenfold spirit thing is it makes those churches a bit of a metaphor as mm -hmm. well as real. Yeah. So they're real churches and they can be documented. There's, there's historical evidence yeah. of those churches. But they are also governed by the sevenfold spirit, which is a sort of way of saying, and those churches in their nature still exist. Mm -hmm. And basically, if we're born again believers, we're part of the body of Christ, capital C church. Therefore, this letter is written to me. Mm -hmm. It's written to you. It's written to everyone who reads it. And in the seven churches, we see ourselves 
And that's what's really amazing. When we get into the descriptions or when, yeah. Je- when Jesus starts talking to the seven churches, you know he's talking to you because you're one of those people in this ensemble cast, you know, of seven churches mm-hmm. or you're a, con- a combination of them. So it's pretty remarkable. All right, Beth, I'm talking a lot here. <laughs> I get stoked about this stuff. I know. You know, it's exciting. I've, I've done my share of talking today, too. Now, when you read scripture mm-hmm. and the printers, yeah, here's another little guidance about reading the Bible that's very useful. When you read your Bible, you must remember that printing as a craft was developed primarily so that they could reproduce the Bible. Mm-hmm. Gutenberg wanted Gutenberg. everybody to have yep. the Bible. And it eventually turned into a very important form of communication in a way uh, that people knew things that or learned things that is you know was an essential part of the human history for quite a long time, and that's the printed word. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, before we had the internet, before we had TV, before we had radio, people read the paper, and uh, papers, newspapers were really prolific and ubiquitous. They were everywhere in every community and usually competing papers because you know mm-hmm. some people were only going to tell you what they wanted you to know and oh yeah and and so all that being said when people wanted to have the bible printed and wanted to have it published they would go to the people who did that for a living and that was like newspaper and magazine mm-hmm. editors and printing companies and they laid out the scriptures in the bible in an orderly way based on how they performed their craft which is why in most people's Bibles you have the same size columns that mm-hmm. you have in an average newspaper. Mm-hmm. So what happens when you're reading down through the Bible is, is that you will see that the justification of the text is made to fill the columns so that it looks complete. And just like in your newspaper, and, and until we have word processors on our computers, we didn't really understand the whole justification thing. But if it's all the words in one line and it's even with the line below it and above it, and that way it looks like a nice, neat little square, and then along comes a passage like verse seven mm-hmm. that isn't justified or laid out the same as the rest. So why is that? Is that happening for a particular reason? Do you yes. Know, do you know the answer to this question? I believe, and you can correct me, but I am pretty sure that what it means is that it's quoting somewhere else in scripture or somewhere, like it could be quoting somewhere else, period, but usually it's a quote from somewhere else in scripture. You got it. In fact, my NIV study notes tell us that the first half of verse 7 is a quote from Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. Well, I'm glad because mine didn't say and I was trying to figure that out. And the second half of verse 7 is a quote from Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. Oh, what do you know? Prophetic books. You got it. And so John, being a devout Jew and his own right, a scholar of scripture, has said, I got news for you. The Jesus we've been talking about up to this point, he's the one that Daniel was talking about. He's the one Zechariah was talking about when they said, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. And thank you. You're absolutely right. So the authors, or I should say the authors, but the editors who created the printed text for us 
are telling us by the way it appears on the page when they are quoting, when the author is quoting. So in this case, it's all justified, laid out nice and neat, and then we get to verse 7 and it's not. And that's a quick indication right there that you're looking at a quote from some other place in the Bible. And here's another really good rule of thumb for Bible study. The best interpreter of the Bible is the Bible. And when people refer too much to outside sources, they are in danger of misinterpreting Scripture. And if there's a vital truth in Scripture that you need to know, it will almost certainly be validated by Scripture in other places. And then the last line that we read, verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Mm -hmm. Boy, that is some great literature. Bookended. Yes, it is. Complete. You know, uh, that'd make a great greeting card, wouldn't it? <laughs> it? It would be, you know, probably a difficult one to find the right occasion for. But then again, the, anytime you're feeling a little blue, you could read this because it means that God's in control. God, right, he's God's in charge. This. In, in case you have any doubt. <laughs> All right, Bethany, I know you were really eager <laughs> to get to chapter two and we've really used up our time already and we haven't even finished chapter one that's okay um but let's talk about what's going to happen in the next chapters um so the to finish out the chapter next week and you know we'll have to do that one with our zoom and the glitchiness and it's been so nice i know because you sound great <laughs> i mean you just you know these nice microphones make us sound really awesome and uh, this is fun. But uh, next time we're going to be talking about John's vision of Christ. And yeah. this, this is where the timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff kicks in. Yeah. This is where we start asking ourselves, okay, did he see something in a dream? Or did he actually get transported to a place outside of space and time? Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, um, I feel like I have to talk about that at least a minute just because it was a tease that I put yeah, on the you Facebook probably group. should. And so let's just talk about that for a second. When John's vision of the Christ, uh, when he goes uh, to be where Jesus is, um, it, it basically will describe for us how uh, he's just kind of sitting on his rock on Patmos. And actually, we know this for a fact. If you Google the island of Patmos, it's a rocky, desolate island. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't look like a very fun place to live. You know, I like the ocean, but this would get boring after a while because there's a lot of rocks and uh it and kind of makes me think of um where luke skywalker is living in the newest star wars yeah, yeah. it's very if you've seen that it, yeah i feel like patmos and that place are very similar it's very isolated and rocky and you know i never thought of that until you just said it right now but it is it's it's, it's very similar especially at the end of the other reboot movie uh what was it what's rogue the, one no no i mean the first where where uh, oh the force awakens the that, force awakens like the thank newest you. star wars movie yeah the at the end of that one ray you know seeks him out mm -hmm. and the last thing you see is him standing there and she's like hey you forgot yeah. this or something yeah. right well then she gets there and uh, my gosh, you're right. That really gives you the same image in your mind. It's sort of like here he is living in isolation on this island. All his needs are paid, uh, provided for him, but 
it's but there's like nothing there's pretty nothing boring there. it's yeah. just rocks yeah yeah hey that's not bad I, I like that and of course i'm always trying to look for visuals that people can mm-hmm. all relate to so that that's a good one well done so uh i love a star wars reference <laughs> Well, the, the thing is, is that there are Christ types and biblical uh, storylines all over popular literature, movies, and so forth, because there's only so many variations, and they're all in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And they were there first, you mm-hmm. know, so... Um, we could do a podcast just on that. Oh, yes, we definitely could. <laughs> and uh, so what we're going to see is he's, he's on his island in his isolation, living in his unique sort of... Uh, place and then all of a sudden jesus is there mm-hmm. you know but it isn't long after that that he's not there anymore and neither is john because jesus sort of came to god him came and got him and pulled him through a porthole uh, or doorway in time and space as john understood it into the timeless realm mm-hmm. of god and that's why the reference to dr who's yeah. police box now, if you're not a Doctor Who fan, I apologize. This won't make any sense to you. But I have often wondered how to explain what I think happens when heaven and earth interact. And I've decided the best way to describe it is it's a little bit like going in Doctor Who's police box. You, you land. He lands the thing on earth and it sits there looking like a part of this time and space. But it's really just a doorway. And it looks like a vehicle, but it's a doorway. Mm-hmm. And when you open the door, that's why it looks bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Because you're not really going inside the box. You're stepping through a doorway between this side of time and space as we understand it and mm-hmm. that side. So he's basically parting the curtain of the fabric of our time and space and letting you step through. Mm-hmm. And I think this is exactly what happens with John. He is stepping through the fabric of time and space there on the island of Patmos and into the timeless realm where God lives. And if we understand that going in, his descriptions of what he sees will make a lot more sense to us. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to spend more time on that. Well, that's a good place to leave off because it's a great place for us to pick up again next week. Yes. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, in, in our, uh, I, we're getting more sophisticated now that Bethany and I are doing this <laughs> together is I created, um, uh, sort of like podcast notes pages for us so we could fill in our ideas and things. So, so, um, Bethany, as, as you get ready to, uh, uh, as you get ready to close this segment, are there any po- uh, points to ponder that you want to encourage people to, um, consider questions that they might study this week or well i have to scrap what i wrote because what i wrote was for chapter two (laughs) save it for next. so (laughs) um i would just say that like not only are we going to get into what dad was just saying but we're also going to get into a like some really good examples of that literary descriptive thing that john has going because like when he describes the person that he sees um which we assume and know to be Jesus. But when he starts describing that person, it's pretty incredible. And there's a lot to chew through just in terms of what he looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would read that, you know, I would read what in verse nine through the end of chapter one. Um, and then I would also count the sevens cause there's are like, there's more mm-hmm. mentions of sevens just in chapter one, not even the seven churches. So that might be something to look at. 
to Good. prepare for next week. And and you know something else I'd like you to do because um, because I'm gonna just let you have the points to ponder uh, to wrap us up today because I'm not gonna add any to it because I would like to ask you to uh, give our listeners some pointers especially if they're in the Facebook group uh, because you did find the painting that you were referring to in I the did. last uh, uh, episode yeah. And now that I've seen it, it, it's like, whoa, there's a lot going there's on. There's so in that much painting. going on in that picture, um, that painting. I almost wish that there was a way that people could just like print it on a piece of paper and then sort of keep a notebook of as they're <laughs> like, following along with us on the study, they check mark that. You could do that. You know, you say, okay, this is the part where he says, oh, look, there's that piece. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost like that painting is a roadmap of the book we're talking about. And that's uh, that's really why I brought it up last week is because when I when I saw it in person I stood there and I think my brother Nathan got a little annoyed because he wanted to keep moving, but I was just kind of taken in by it because it is like a roadmap. It's like looking at the whole book mm-hmm. in one spot, which is pretty cool. Well, and historically speaking, this is one of the ways in which the church was very benevolent in in those days that we now misunderstand. Um, the church had stained glass windows and beautiful frescoes mm-hmm. and paintings and stations of the cross and all these things were visible in church cathedrals and things, but printed Bibles weren't available when that kind of communication was be. So we were just talking about printing as a form of communication when the only way you could have a copy of the Bible is if some monk or somebody sat down and hand wrote a copy of it. Well, that and literacy was not commonplace literacy was for people with money yeah being you know being able to read that was not um a common thing and for a long time i mean at least in like catholic tradition sure masses weren't held in english at all right so you know and i'm thinking more european they weren't they weren't held in the common language they were held in latin and if you were somebody who couldn't afford a bible to begin with you didn't speak latin Mm -hmm. um so the paintings and things like that that was that was the best way for a lot of people to have any understanding of the bible the stained glass and the frescoes and you got artwork and you know like it really was michelangelo type stuff a way to tell the story of scripture to, Mm -hmm. to illiterate people and to bring them closer to God. Mm-hmm. And it precedes the printed Bible. Yep. And so it's the primary form of communicating. And, you know, if you want to talk about, even a Jew will acknowledge this if you if you talk to the right person, it, you know, whether or not they believe that Christians are right about things, most people can agree that this biblical worldview, this Judeo-Christian worldview has led to more advancements in society than there would be without it and this is exactly what we're talking about communication has always been driven by people's desire to spread just to spread the good news Mm -hmm. we're doing a podcast now Mm -hmm. something that would have been unheard of 25 years ago uh and we're joining the millions of people who can do podcasts about whatever they want whether Mm -hmm. it's puppies kittens or whatever we can do this and reach our particular audience and share with our particular friends and uh, seekers because communicating the gospel is driving communications technology yeah it really is so that's cool well look that painting up again and do your homework that bethany just (laughs) gave you and uh if you want to do any extra credit there's an extra credit uh question on the facebook page and everybody who gets it right gets extra points 
and uh, we'll tally it up at the end of the semester and see how you did. <laughs> oh boy. All right, Bethany, this has been so cool. I love yes. doing this with you in person. <laughs> And it's so awesome, but we're going to have to call it quits now. We're coming up on an hour. Yep. I got to close this thing. <laughs> Thanks, Beth. I love you. Love you. That's all for this week's study. We hope you've been blessed. Please send us your comments and questions. And if you live near Jasper, Indiana, please stop by Shiloh United Methodist Church and say hello. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at shilohum.org. That's S-H-I-L-O-H-U-M dot O-R-G. You can also find us on Facebook. Look for that Knowing God with Heart and Mind Facebook group. You'll find a link at Shiloh's uh, Facebook page. Just uh, search Shiloh uh, Jasper, Indiana, and you'll find your way to us through the Facebook page. So we're really excited to have you as part of this. And uh, thank you so much for listening. God bless you, and goodbye.